0: We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.
1: Hey, good morning, everyone. Great to see all of you. Also, those at our campuses, including our online family. You know, we've had a great summer. I mean, fantastic. One of the things that, that has been described as summer, because it's kind of hard, you know, the official, the unofficial, but the one I go with is when you take from Memorial Day weekend and up to right where we find ourselves right now, just before Labor Day, and they call it the 100 days of summer, and it has been fantastic. One of the reasons I can say that is because at Fox River, during that time period, over, get this, okay, over 116 people have come to know God during that time period. That is something to shout about, isn't it? That is awesome, awesome. reason that is a big deal is because God wants everyone to come to know him. And it's a part of our vision, the very first part of our vision, that we are used by God to be able to see that happen, for people to continue to come into a relationship with him. And so to see that through the different block parties that we've done, through, through the children's ministry, through the teen ministry, and the, the adult Bible studies and, and different things, the groups that are taking place, to be able to see God work in our weekend services for people to come to know him. But when a season comes and goes, it oftentimes leaves us with this nagging question, right? What's next? Well, obviously, fall is next. But just like we started with a question before summer to get you thinking about the best summer ever, I want to ask you that simple question. Hopefully you've already been asking it. What will make the best fall ever for you? What will you be doing to make that happen? Some of you already have plans, right? You've already had plans thrust upon you maybe. How many start school or have already started school? I'll look over here because there should be a lot of hands right here, right? Okay, how many of you have um, set up your fantasy football team? Oh, yeah, you only got a week, okay? Get it done, all right? I got a good team. First time ever I got the first pick, man. Usually I get five, and five is terrible, I think. So how many of you are knee-deep maybe yourselves or with your kids in their own sports, practices, games? You know, and the schedule is getting packed, isn't it? It's like, my goodness, what's happening here? And soon it's going to get away from us. And so we need to be asking, how am I this fall going to strengthen my relationship with my spouse and my kids? How am I this fall going to find find some financial freedom to be able to make sure that things don't get away from me or to get back on track where they need to be? How am I going to deepen my faith, strengthen that faith with God, my trust in Him? The important things of life, we can't expect them just to come at us or come to us. We're going to have to be intentional with it. So, I hope you'll seriously ask that question several times through our time together this morning. And to do that, we're going to look to Jesus because he's going to help us. In fact, he's going to offer something to every one of us that we really, really need. And as soon as you hear it, you might question how much you really do need it. You might be like, well, why is he offering me that? I'm not sure about that. And it's actually a second part of our vision at Fox River. And he offers you freedom to find freedom. Now, if you think about it, you could probably use a little more freedom this fall. But what does that look like, and what is he talking about? Well, I want to turn to John chapter 8, because he's going to offer freedom to a group of people. In fact, it's quite a diverse group of people and a large group of people. As he's speaking at the temple, and crowds would come together, and some were just there because they wanted to hear Jesus. And we find the diversity here, because we're going to see people who love Jesus deeply. And then we're going to see people who hate Jesus. They want him dead. In fact, they would love to be the ones who could kill him. And so we see that both are within hearing distance here. And he gives the same message to, to both groups. A little bit different way that he gives it to them, though. But he offers them freedom. And the same freedom that he offers us that is so important that oftentimes though we forget about. So let me ask you, turn to John chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, would you grab one of the ones that you'll find in the seats right now? And turn to page number 1524. That's kind of your cheat to get to John. It's in the New Testament, one of the Gospels. And if you don't have a Bible, make that one yours. We'd love for you to take that. Go ahead, write notes in it, underline, use it, read it, most of all, and then live it out. But John chapter 8, let's go to verse number 31 where this conversation, we're going we're to see it start. It says, to the Jews who had believed Jesus said, so notice that's one part of the group that's there, those who believed him. He gives them this statement. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Maybe you've heard about that before. Jesus' offering he says, you will know the truth, and that truth, it will set you free. But probably, much like us, there were many there that that were in denial. They didn't know that they needed freedom, so as he's offering it to them, they're kind of like, why do I need freedom? Kind of like us. It's like, don't you know who you're talking to? We're Americans, for God's sake. Land of the free. They're saying, we're Jews for God's sake. And this time the conversation switches because it's not those who already believe that pipe up. It's those who don't believe. And we know that because it tells us later they hate him and they want to kill him. But listen to their response. It says here in verse 33, they answered him. Remember, they is not those who believe. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? You know what? That was not true. All throughout their history is dotted with slavery. And at the present time as they're speaking, they're slaves. They're under Roman rule. They weren't ruling themselves. And so they didn't even realize the slavery and the bondage that they were in. But he goes on, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus offers to every single one of us freedom. But are we going to have a response much like those who were in that first group there with him? Which says, I don't need any freedom. You see, Jesus is taking something that we would normally think is very physical, and he's pushing it into the spiritual realm. What I mean by that is this. There are times when externally, we are free, but internally, we're not. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying every one of us, every single one of us is inflicted with bondage. And that bondage isn't going to be apparent to everyone on the outside but inside it'll be very evident. And so he's starting with just a matter of fact statement. You need to be set free. Let's personalize that. Even if you're not quite sure if you if you believe that statement yet, okay? Let's say I, and would you say it with me? I need to be set free. We're going to talk about that. Because we need the freedom that Jesus offered back then and that he offers to us today. The truth is we're in bondage. So When they say, look, don't you know who you're talking about? We've never been slaves of anyone. He has a really good response. Let's look at it. He says, Jesus replied very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He just puts it right out there. All sinners are slaves. All, he leaves no room here. Now, there's a couple easy ways to deal with this, isn't there? The first one and the most natural is this one. Okay, if I don't want to be a slave, I'll just stop sinning. I've tried that for 52 years and it hasn't worked yet. (laughs) So I'm soon realizing that's not working very well. And so if you're on that treadmill where that is your fix to this, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Now, I'm not trying to defeat you because he does tell us we need to live in this. We need to listen to his teaching and obey it. So we still need to. We need to attempt to not sin. I'm not saying it's a free-for-all here. But all sinners are slaves. So then my mind goes to something else, and I think, well, there's got to be another fix here. And so when you hear someone tell you something like you failed or you're wrong, or you've sinned, okay? Let's just kind of paint the picture. Let's say you've stolen something from someone, and they confront you. I'm going to give you two words that will make it all better, okay? We've all used them before. I've used them quite regularly. So that person comes to you, and they say, you're a thief. You stole from me. And it comes with actions, okay? Body language, too. So I want you to help me out with this. So the first thing that happens is our shoulders go up like this. Can you do that for me? So somebody says, you're a thief, you just go like this and put your hands like this. All right, go ahead. And two words is all you need and it'll make it all better. And the words are not, I'm sorry, okay? We're taking those off the table. You know what they are? I'll start it, you finish it. Nobody's perfect. Feel the relief right there. The guilt is all gone. Nobody's perfect. So, stealing, stealing, is okay, right? Let's make it a little more broad, because maybe you never stole anything. But the fact of the matter is, is that statement is true. Nobody's perfect. Nobody is perfect. The Apostle Paul is writing to a whole church of people in a place called Rome, and he puts it like this, Romans 3.23, "'For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God.'" simple way of saying, nobody's perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. But he's not using it like we use it. You see, when we're saying nobody's perfect, we mean something totally different than what Jesus is saying. You see, it is true, nobody's perfect. But what that means is this, imperfection is reality, but it's not a remedy. It is not a solution. It will not wipe the guilt away. It will not wipe the shame away. In fact, what it will do is it will cause us to think we can bypass the one who offers the freedom to us. We won't go to him because we think we can get rid of it ourselves. We think we can wash ourselves. We can clean ourselves up. We think we can say, well, you know what? Everybody else is doing it, so I must not be that bad. And none of it relieves the shame and the guilt. It doesn't take it away because we need Jesus to take it away. Because imperfection is a reality, it's not a remedy. So here's a question that I have for you. Since when did declaring everyone else a captive make you free? Do you understand how ludicrous that is? Maybe you don't, so let me illustrate just from my own life. As a child, I had a problem with lying. And the reason I had that problem because this is what I found out when I told a few lies. I was pretty decent at it. And so as I would lie, I would get out of consequences. Anybody else experienced that before? Or I think I got out of the consequences. <laughs> At least in the immediate, I did. So there's a time. You know, one of my jobs was my mom had this strawberry patch. So it our job to pull the weeds and pick the strawberries. They'd give us these quart containers, you know, and you'd go. And some people pay to do that, I think, right now, you know. Anyways, and so you'd pick the strawberries and you'd put them in the container. And my dad must have known something. He knew that if he didn't set the ground rules right ahead, there would be no strawberries. So he said, you cannot eat any of those strawberries. So I... That's torture, right? I'm, I'm picking these strawberries, and I'm like, I, I can't eat one because there'll be evidence all over that. So, you know, I'll just save them for later. Just save a few. So, you know where I saved them? In my pocket. <laughs> Great idea, right? Great idea. You know what else about that? I don't know how, but I forgot they were in there. So they went through the wash. Probably turned a few things red, and that's probably what my, motivated my dad to come to me. My dad simply asked me about strawberries in my pockets so i I didn't put strawberries in my pockets i was trying to lie my way out of it wasn't i you know what helps the first lie to tell another one so he says are you sure about that yeah i didn't have strawberries in my pocket he goes then what's this There was still a seed left in my pocket he goes what kind of seed do you think this is i go i i don't know it looks like a bean or something to me another lie right i'm soon getting to the point where i'm realizing the lies are not going to work anymore I need to come up with another strategy. So I did. Come to find out it was not a real good strategy, but I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was going to wipe all the guilt away. I looked at my dad, and I said, Dad, you know you're a liar too, don't you? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's about how it went. (laughs) The guilt did not go away. Not one bit. It got worse. It did. And it needed to because I needed to be confronted. You see, we have to decide. We have to decide, are we going to admit or are we going to stay in denial? And saying nobody's perfect is a cop-out. Saying nobody's perfect is truth. But are you using it as an excuse? Because if you're using it as an excuse, nothing will ever change. You're going to stay bound to your sin. And so he wants us to use it as the truth because it is true. Nobody is perfect. But when you realize that you're not perfect, you realize you're in bondage because all sinners are slaves. And that is what will motivate you to come to the one who can free you. Otherwise, you'll just stay right there and say, I don't need forgiveness. I don't need God because I'm not bound to anybody. I have freedom. I can do whatever I want. And your sin will conti- can you continue to tie your hands together and to bind you. And Jesus wants freedom for you. And he offers it to you. And we'll get to what does that look like? How does that happen? One of the things we do need to realize is Jesus wants us to experience freedom. That freedom comes through him. In fact, no freedom without Jesus. This could be the bottom line of the whole message right here. There is no freedom without Jesus. Never convince yourself that freedom comes away from Jesus, going contrary to Jesus, not listening to Jesus. He's saying, when you sit under my teaching and you live those things out, that's when you will experience freedom because the truth is what will set you free. And so as we look at that, we need to understand that Jesus talks to this. In verse number 36, he says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. It will be true freedom, but notice how it comes. It comes through this son, and notice, because he's going to use son twice in this passage, this son has a capital S, and that's because it's referring to Jesus, the son of God, who came to this world to die on the cross to save us. And so there's two forms of freedom here. The first crowd he was talking to are those who already believe, and there's a different type of freedom for them. But there's a freedom for those who do not believe yet. And it's an initial freedom is what it is. And that initial freedom comes through trust, repentance, and acceptance. At a point when we come to that realization that I'm a sinner and that I need Jesus to forgive me of my sin, and so that I'm going to accept him as my Savior, I'm going to repent of my sin, and I'm going to trust him. That is called salvation, and everyone needs it to break the bonds of sin. And the way Jesus did that is he came and he died on the cross, and he did something miraculous at that point. He went into the grave, but he didn't stay there. He came out of the grave alive again, breaking the bondage of sin and death and hell for all of us who will receive him. That's initial freedom that every single one of us needs. And you may be here and you've never experienced that freedom. He's offering it to you right now, and he wants you to take it. You may be in that place, so it's like, but I believe, I believe. I already believe. There's a continual freedom that Jesus wants us to walk in. And he started out the conversation with it. And that continual freedom is abiding. It's an old term. But when you hear that term abiding, it just means staying connected with Jesus. It means sitting under his teaching, listening to him, and growing to be more like him. A lot of times we call it discipleship. Freedom is found in that discipleship and listening to Jesus and living it out. Notice again how he addressed the crowd to those that believed. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now here's where we get caught up. There's a small word there. No. Go ahead and circle that, would you right now? No. Because here's where we go with that term no. We leave it up here. So we think that when Jesus is saying, know the truth and the truth will set you free, we're thinking, as long as I know the truth, I will have freedom. As long as I can intellectually say yes to the truth, I'll have freedom. That's not it. You see, that word know comes from another word, Genosko. It's a Greek word. And that word doesn't mean just intellectual, but it means to live it, to obey what you know intellectually. And you might find that's not as easy as it sounds to abide, to know, to live it out what we know. Let me illustrate it this way. I'm going to give you just a simple quiz here, okay? And I'll even give you the answer ahead of time. I won't give you the answer. But if you're in agreement with the first question, go ahead and raise your hand. If you're in agreement with the second question, you might be a little more hesitant to raise your hand. But go ahead and do it anyways, okay, if you want to. All right? Simple question. Simple question. How many of you know, whether you're parents or not, okay, even if you're not parents, you've observed enough parents or you've had parents at some time in life, okay? So how many of you would say, you know that yelling at your kids is probably not good parenting skills? How many of you would say, I I know that, I know that, okay? Now, second question, how many of you yell at your kids? Whoa, we got a big problem here. Because Jesus said, if you know the truth, you'll what? You will be free. But you see the disconnect there? All right, for those of you who aren't parents, let's take another illustration. Just a simple one, okay? How many of you know that spending $100 when you only have $50 could cause a problem? How many say, that's not good finances right there? You know that. You know Okay, come on. Don't plead ignorance, okay, here. Let's see some more hands, all right? You know spending 100 when you have 50 is a problem, right? Okay, so how many of you spend 100 when you only have 50? And then 25 or 25 days later somebody tells you about it, right? <laughs> we do it all the time. Because it's not just about what you know up here. It's about what you're going to do with it. Are you going to live out what Jesus has told you is the truth? Because you won't just find the freedom accidentally. And you won't find the freedom just because it sounds good. And you won't even find the freedom just because you can nod your head and raise your hand and say, yep, yep, that's right, that's right. It's not until you experience it because you've lived it out that you'll find the continual freedom that Jesus wants for you and for me. He wants it for all of us. And in seeing it happen, receiving it. It comes through him. But as most things, we have to realize, you may have heard this phrase before, knowledge is freedom. Maybe you've heard knowledge is power. There's a missing piece here that Jesus is filling in. He's saying applied knowledge is freedom. You need to apply the knowledge that he's given to you in order to experience that freedom. But if you ever had that thing that continues to keep you bound in bondage. And then all of a sudden you've had somebody that you've spoken with or reached out to and they gave you just a little bit of information that you needed or they gave you just that extra little encouragement that you needed to help you find freedom. There's a reason for that because God never meant for us to do this alone. We need others to continue in freedom. Don't just take my word for it. Take a look at Leah's story and how God has continued to bring freedom into her life through the others around her. Take a look.
0: When I got married to my husband, Peter, we wanted to have children and that came very hard. So we spent close to five years praying for something that doctors said would never happen. My whole life, I've been a fan of God. I've believed, I've prayed, and that's where I was even when I got pregnant. God answered my prayer, this is great, praise God. When I became pregnant, one of my coworkers told me about mom time. So I went all the way through, probably when my son was around five or six months, And then a lot of things happened in life and I kind of slowed down, didn't go back the next season, attended church once in a while, but not consistently. I would pray every night, um, but I didn't reach out for help. So I was kind of believing in my own mind, believing in my own house. But if you ask friends or even family or even my husband, Would they say I followed Christ? Probably not. Or at least I wasn't giving a good example of it. Because I was trying to control my life and my marriage, God had to do something. And in the summer of last year, God intervened in a pretty um, crazy way. I woke up one morning and uh, all my hair started falling out. Then I just started feeling really weak my bones, my muscles, it was hard to even pick up my son. I started getting terrible headaches, um, migraines that would cause me to have to call into work, be unable to even drive. And I started going to the doctor and they ran tests for everything and they really couldn't come up with anything. I literally have no control over the situation and the doctors couldn't seem to control it that I let myself fall a little bit into a black hole. It truly was my mom time tribe who helped me stay out of that. When I found mom time, I feel like that was the first time where I had really a tribe of believers to stand behind me and really help me and really get me to where I needed to be. In our mom time group, around the new year, they asked us to pick one word that we could focus on. I had a lot of words in my head that I thought I could pick, but I prayed for God to give me the word he wanted. And I remember being in service one day and all I heard and every song that was sung and the whole message was hope. And when I picked that word, I wrote a journal entry. So February 4th, 2019, 2018 was hard. In my darkest, loneliest hours, God tapped me on the shoulder and said, stop being a fan, get up and come follow me. You have been a believer all your life, Leah, but you have never fully surrendered and committed your life to me. God, you're changing me, you're preparing me, and you're teaching me to hope. I want you to direct my path, Lord. I do not know where it will lead, but in time, I know it's what's best. I still live with a lot of pain every day um, and a lot of struggle, but I somehow have truly never been happier because for so many years I've gone through so much and people always say, how are you so strong? How are you so strong? How did you get through this? I feel like now I want to share. I get through it because of God. I was asked at the end of this semester if I would be a table lead for next year, and I feel totally unworthy and unprepared for it, but I feel like um, it's my next step. It's it's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help others.
1: Can you join me just thanking Leah and praising God for what he's doing in her life? We need others because God wired us that way. And to continue in that freedom, there are others who can help us to continue in that freedom. And continuing to try to do things alone, it's just going to bring us to that frustration point of not knowing what to do next, in fact. And so Jesus had a remedy for that. And he shows us that remedy in John 8, verse number 35. And he makes a distinction here. He says, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son. Again, there's that other usage of son or daughter here belongs to it forever. What changed? What changed? The relationship. That's what changed. You see, when a person experiences freedom, they become a child of God. We talked about that just a few weeks ago in our So True, So False series. If you've never become a child of God, today's the day to trust Jesus as your Savior, to give you the freedom from sin and its consequences. If you're here today and you've already received Christ, you're a child of God. But what that means is you belong to a family and you have brothers and sisters who can help you to continue walking with Jesus, to continue saying yes to him, to sit under his teaching, not just for information because Jesus isn't just offering information. He's given an invitation to be his disciple, to be his follower, to live in the truth. But don't do it by yourself. Let brothers and sisters come alongside you and see what God does. The way we do that here at Fox Church is through groups. We have groups that will help us continue to walk. You heard about Mom Time. Mom Time being expanded to our Muskego campus as well as our Waterford campus this year. We're seeing great things take place. That's just one of many, many groups. We have groups for students. These guys didn't just all of a sudden decide to sit here together. But it's a great thing, isn't it? Let's just praise God for it. Isn't it awesome? If you're a student, middle school or high school, join them. Join them. If you're an adult and you don't know anybody else at Fox River, it's time to change that. The way to do that is not by just sitting in a pew. This is good. But to join a group and see what God does with that. And so what would it be that would make this the best fall ever? And what would you be willing to do in order for that to happen? Whether it be finances, whether it be parenting, whether it be your marriage, whether it be growing in your love for Jesus, there are other people who want to do that as well. And they're going to form a group and get together to see that happen. Whether it be because of a specific topic or the people that are involved in your life, you're going to see life change take place. So how do you do it? We've got a directory on our website. Just go to the groups page and you'll see each of the groups that we have that are offered for this one. Better yet, stop by, just go out into the foyer. You'll see an orange sign that says groups on it. Talk to someone from our groups team who will be able to tell you about what there is to help you to find the freedom that Jesus offers. Would you pray with me as we close the service? Lord God, we thank you for giving us freedom, allowing us to have it, and then encouraging us to walk in it. God, I pray for those here today that maybe have never believed, never received, never taking you at your word that they can be saved. If that's you here today, you're ready to receive Jesus and receive the freedom that he offers through that gift of salvation, I want you to tell him that now. Maybe pray something like this. Lord God, I understand it's my sin that separated me from you, that caused that slavery, that bondage, and I want to be freed from it. So I'm trusting that you died on the cross and through the blood that you shed, That paid for my sin. And that as you went into that grave, you didn't stay there, but you came back alive showing that you can defeat death, you can defeat sin, and you can defeat hell. And I'm asking you to do that for me. So I want your salvation here today. With heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today, if you're with us online, if you're with us at any of the campuses, and you're making that decision, we just indicate that by raising your hand right now okay? Lord God, we thank you for being our God, for loving us so much to speak the truth so that we could live the truth and be set free. We praise you, God. We thank you for being our Father, not just our God, that we can be your children and we can have brothers and sisters, Lord, to live this life with in that freedom. We praise you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen
0: we hope you were encouraged today subscribe to the fox river podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages stay connected through our social media channels on youtube facebook instagram and twitter and of course make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them we are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon